The reason people aren't financially free is they don't know what to do and they don't know where to start. I want you to join Joey and I at the Virtual Inner Circle Live April the 4th through the 6th as we share with you the exact answers to those questions. We only do this event one time per year. I don't want you to miss out. Go to westwatwallstreet.com forward slash live and enter promo code podcast. When you're at this event, you're going to get your investor DNA. You're going to get access to up to six different passive income strategies. So you know, leaving this event, exactly what to do, taking our decades of knowledge so that you can start becoming financially free. Go to wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash live and enter the promo code podcast. Joey, can I give a shameless plug into how good of an advisor I was to you back in the day? Oof. It, it doesn't matter if I say no, you're going to do it anyway. I'm so doing that's, it that's anyway. Just... It's coming. I just want to preface it, right? Like this is that moment where before you say something like, oh, um, don't take offense. <laughs> you, <know>? like, <laughs> you can't say that. You can't preface something, but I'm going to do that. I, I distinctly remember in the very first year you were starting to implement the infinite banking concept. You and I were talking about what are some other ways that I could fund. And, and so we started looking through like our coaches do with each one of our uh, members that come to them and starts helping them like conce- uh, looking at their finances from a different lens. Right. Right. And I distinctly remember you telling me about this amazing tax refund that you got every year <laughs> and how your family would do something special. You know, there was always something that you were doing. You're like dad of the year. It was like, <laughs> man, this is amazing. And I thought this guy's a complete moron. Like. <laughs> What are you getting a tax refund for, right? Did you, you remember you that didn't day? You say that out loud, though. You, that was you know, what was going through your head. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, again, I knew that I was going to help you get a new insurance policy. And again, I didn't want to, like, ruffle any feathers there, right? I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, yes. like, I mean, it, it was helping both of us. <laughs> hey, I, I had, this is, so Tribe, if you are like me, I had no idea that I could change the withholdings on my tax on, on every one of my paychecks to to increase that number so that I didn't have as much taken out of each paycheck. And because I was on high commission sales, every second paycheck was all this commission and it would it would tax me as if that was an annual number. So obviously, I was just getting way more tax withheld than I ever needed. And that's why thus I was getting a $20,000 tax refund every year. Russ was just like, you know, you can change that, right? I'm like, uh, no, I didn't. And so we made one little tweak. I started getting that money every month instead of getting it at the end of the year or the beginning of the year rather. And man, that was another $20,000 policy. I was able to start. So grateful, man. You, you are my hero, Russ. I really appreciate that. Uh, thank you. We'll end this uh, podcast intro with that. I don't know how we can top it any more than that. <laughs> well, today's podcast is, though, th- this is a special treat for both of us, right? Like, I feel like I've, uh, there's a couple of podcasts that I follow, and Tom Wilwright's show is one of those that I do follow. I love listening and understanding taxes because taxes is one of the greatest expenses that almost all of us have. And if we're not actively participating in that process, we'll pay way more in taxes, as he says. And I want to help you by by listening through this interview of what are the things that he's going to share. So a couple of things come out of this. One is that, yes, the IRS are making some changes and they're beefing up their staff. They're going to come after as many people as they possibly can. 
But the second point I want you to get out of this is that you shouldn't be afraid, that you should be looking for advisors who are not afraid of the IRS, who are going to follow the law. The law, as he said, is not ambiguous, very clear, very clean cut, very black and white. You need to document. You need to have an advisor who makes you document, who makes you, keeps you accountable to that. Joey, you and I have uh, tax advisors that we have to meet with twice a year. We show them the documentation. They're helping us be accountable to the process. Yes, he said, you got to keep the receipts. That's the reason we have a, a tool that we use. We can literally snap receipts. I saw you doing it just the other day when you took me to lunch. Thank you, by the way. Yes, and you are taking a picture of it because that is what you need. Documentation, having good advisors, following the law is always okay. So don't allow this, um, this idea of uh, tons of money being spent on IRS. They're auditing more partnerships, all of that to scare you. Actually, let it be a motivation to say, yes. you know, there's things that I can do that are legal. And like our, our friend Nelson Nash used to tell us, right, like everything we do is measured against somebody else. <laughs> and if no one else is willing to do it and we are, man, the gap is wide and that creates opportunity. So, Joey, let's don't take any more time away from this episode. Let's jump in right now with Tom Wilwright. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Wealth Without Wall Street Tribe, you have got an immediate treat today with Tom Wheelwright in the studio. Tom, so thankful to have you here. So good to be with you guys. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure. We've heard you a lot on uh, previous podcasts and have read read your books. I, I know mo- many of our audience know you for your work with Robert Kiyosaki and a lot of those books. However, they may not know some of the background journey. So if it's all right, I would love to just take a second and kind of get into some some personal investment, right? Like you're, you're the guy known for helping us uh, make way more money and pay way less in taxes. I want to talk about your story, right? Everyone who's listening to this, Tom, is on their, on their journey to becoming financially free and they're looking for deals and they're looking to learn from others. So would you talk a little bit about maybe in your 30 years of investing, 30 years plus probably, uh, what deal, if, um, if there's one, sticks out to you the most? Well, well, <laughs> probably the one that sticks out the most, um, besides the first one, which was the first CPA firm I bought, was the second CPA firm I bought um, because uh, one of the clients in that CPA of that CPA firm was Robert Kiyosaki. So I had no idea when I was buying the CPA firm. I had no idea who Robert Kiyosaki was. I'd never heard of Rich Dad Poor Dad. Never read Rich Dad Poor Dad. And um, uh, but we had I broken, speaking of partners, I'd broken up with a partner. Uh, all the staff had stayed with me and uh, some good number of clients had gone with my partner. 
And so we had a lot of staff. My new partner and I had a lot of staff and uh, basically 60% of the clients we had before. So we were looking for, we, we decided rather than get rid of staff that we trained, we just bring in more clients. And we went looking for a CPA firm to acquire. And the CPA firm we found, it was actually from a postcard. Um, it was literally direct mail. And uh, as, I, as we did our discovery, um, one of my friends turned out to be a client of this practice. And she said, by the way, you should read Rich Dad, Poor Dad because uh, Robert, Ki Robert and Kim Kiyosaki are clients of this practice. So that was a deal that came with uh, way more benefits than I ever <laughs> anticipated. I, I thought I was just getting a book of business. <laughs> that, that's pretty amazing. Now, what year was that? That would have been 2001. Oh, wow. How, 2001. How cool. And so at that time, obviously, he was the, the book Rich Dad Poor Dad had been written, what, in the 90s? Right. 1997. OK, so he was starting to get some of the fame and, and publicity. Well, he'd been that. on Oprah. He'd been yeah. on Oprah already. OK, okay that was his that, right. That was the big that's one. That's the big deal. Right. Yeah, that's the big deal. He'd been on Oprah. So he was huge at that time. Um, I just, you know, I was an accountant. What did I know? <laughs> Well, well, I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, there, there's, I think I, I saw a stat, there's over 650,000 active CPAs right now, right? So, so few of them, though, understand how to invest. They just look at taxes. They're great at telling you how much to pay uh, from last year. And I, I imagine that that encounter, not only buying that practice, but then the encounter of starting to get to know Robert and Kim on a close basis enhanced your investment journey just a tad. Yeah, no question. In fact, I, I would I would never have, uh, you know, I, I, I did a lot of tax work in the real estate area, but I would never, and my parents owned real estate, but I would never have understood real estate um, the way I've learned real estate without my association with Robert and, you know, the, the other advisors, Ken McElroy and, um, uh, you know, the the whole the whole journey's been fascinating. Uh, Robert's points of view on how he looks at investing are unique, I think, unique to the world, and I've learned uh, learned way more than I deserve over the years. So, speaking of that, because we hear a lot of CPAs listen to the show as well, they want to say, "Hey, how do how do I differentiate myself from the herd? How do I become different? What advice would you give to that entrepreneur who's out there that's trying to figure out how to do more than just taxes and be more of an asset to their clients?" Yeah, yeah. The first thing you have to do is decide who you are. You know, who who do you, who are you? What kind of clients do you want? Who, who do you want to be? Because what happens is, and this happened with me, you know, when you start out, you're just taking all comers, right? Anybody who will pay your bill, you're going, I'll take you. <laughs> and that's, that's the way we operate. And that's the way most businesses operate. What I found over the years, though, is that the, the narrower I can get, the more specialized I can get, actually, um, you know, they say a niche will make you rich. But that's never is that more true than in business, where once you really know who you are, then you can start to establish a brand. Like, I mean, here you are, Wealth Without Wall Street. I mean, that's your brand. You're, you're doing this outside of Wall Street, um, which I highly applaud because I hate Wall Street. And, um, and, and, and so you've decided this is who we are. This, this is kind of where we're going. This is our, the, the, this is the type of people we want. You called, you call, as you started out, you said, this is the wealth without wall street tribe. And so you're very defined. And I think that's a very important thing that, um, CPAs and most entrepreneurs have a tough time defining who they are and, and who their clients are. 
Yeah, no doubt. And uh, you have to be polarizing in some cases uh, as we are, uh, you know, we have people all the time, they come on and they say cuss words like stock market and IRAs and 401ks and things like that. And we just say, we're not going to allow that on our show, Tom. So it, just, just forewarn you. Um, that, that I, 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 I'm good with that guys, because uh, <laughs> if you've read my recent book, uh, the win win Walt strategy, um, I'm not a huge fan of those. While I talk about them, it's actually investment number seven. Um, that I talk about. It's uh, what I also talk about is, well, you could do it a lot better if you didn't do it within Wall Street. It'd be a lot better and a lot faster and right. uh, a, a lot more success if you do it without Wall Street. I was going to say, if we went through the seven uh, investments the governments will pay you to make, I was going to have you leave off number seven because I didn't really want to get into that. You know, but number seven is really retirement plans. And what I did was I actually analyzed the difference between a government qualified plan, which is a the 401k stuff and a non-government or, or a non-qualified plan, which is what you guys do. You guys basically, you're, you're still planning for retirement. You're just planning it outside of the government's real purview and you're, you're doing it separate from Wall Street. And I actually compare those two in that chapter. You should read it again because I compare that and those two, that the two of them in the chapter and the one outside the non-qualified comes out far ahead. No, a hundred percent. I agree. And I, I love, I love the fact that you're talking about that because everybody has a plan, right? Mm -hmm. Either you right. have one or someone has for you, whether or not you're going to act on it. And speaking of that, I mean, there's some new legislation out there. There's this idea that there is such thing as an inflation reduction act, which the three of us realized that there's no way the government can print money which is technically the definition of inflation, right? It's the increase of the money supply and then come out and say, oh, by the way, we're going to reduce inflation by spending money. So, right. so remember that the, the week before, before, the week before they debated that act, they passed the um, Semiconductor Act, which puts a whole bunch of money into the economy without taxing anybody. So that, that's just more spending. So a little ironic that they've got this huge spending bill right before this uh, so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which uh, it, at uh, WealthAbility, we call it the Business Disruption Act. Well, it, now, am I right in saying that the act is really short, though? It just says, end the Federal Reserve. And that's the <laughs> only way to get rid of it, right? Is it, uh, that, is that, that, that would be the dream you had last night, Joey. <laughs> So that's not what the, the the reduction act is all about. Oh my heavens! Oh my heavens! So 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 get this. So so talk about the opposite of what it really is, right? So, um, in order to get some of the solar credits, um, so some of the energy credits, you uh, you get five times the credit if you pay union wages. So that's definitely going to you know reduce prices by paying five times union wages. That's certainly going to reduce the cost of solar, right? To pay five times union wages, or, or sorry. You get five times credit if you pay union wages. So um, not a lot of inflation reduction there. Um, the uh, loss disallowance rules for small business, uh, those get extended two years. That was uh, Kirsten Cinema's uh, brilliant um, offset to get rid of carried interest. So while you guys, in, well, in the real estate industry, you love the idea of not having to have the carried interest rule. Um, the <laughs> the flip side of that is you don't get to use your losses against other income for another two years. So there are, there, there are lots of hidden gems, I'll call it in this, uh, in, in this bill. And none of them, none of them um, that's getting less 
negative press and should get more negative press than the $80 billion additional going to the IRS over the next 10 years. All right. Well, I, I want to talk about that because I've heard you say that the IRS is trying to bully people for taking advantage of legal tax incentives. Can you kind of give us an example of maybe? Yeah, sure. Sure. So, um, you know, there, uh, there's, there are two, there's a tax provision in the law right now that says if you put a conservation easement on your real estate and reduce the value of your real estate, then you get a charitable deduction for that because you've reduced the value and the difference between the value if you had developed it and the value if you can't develop it ever is a, a deduction to the conservation um, people, uh, you know, and, and this is a, this is a very important, uh, to a lot of people, this is a very important policy because you're you're preserving wetlands, you're pre preserving all sorts of um, you know forests, um, you know old oak forests, etc., um, that otherwise would get developed. And so, uh, but the IRS has decided in their wisdom that they're not going to look at just a few of these; they're looking at all of them. And their uh, kind of their mantra right now is if it's too good to be, if it sounds too good to be true, it's illegal, whether it's legal or not. And uh, they've actually said that I've heard them say that in public. And uh, so basically what they're doing is they're throwing it all out. Uh, whether it's, I mean, uh, is there abuse out there? Absolutely. There's abuse everywhere in the tax law, but just because there's some abuse doesn't mean everybody's abusing it. So rather than say, well, we're going to look at each individual, um, case, they're just throwing them out and say, okay, now you have to prove your case. You need to fight us in court um, because we're every single conservation easement is being audited um, almost without exception. And uh, what they're doing is they're just disallowing it without even really looking at the facts of the case. And th that's the, that's the troublesome part. I, they're, I'm fine with them auditing it. I have no issue. And the IRS does need some more auditors they're, They are lagging in that, but they, uh, I doubt they need $80 billion worth of auditors. And, um, and I, I think that they ought to really audit it rather than just go in and say, we're going to disallow it. Why don't you do a real audit? Well, I, I would say one thing we all can have confidence in is that they're going to waste a lot of that 80 billion. So it's not like they're going to put tons of people on the street and as, as much as say the one of the three of us, if it was a private enterprise <laughs> making that new hiring system, but you mentioned conservation easements, which our audience is very familiar with. Several of us um, ha have participated in those. And in the past, they were they were accepted by both sides, right? They're accepted yeah. on, on the left because, yes, it was it was climate co conservation. It was a lot of things that people uh, on the left side of the aisle would say, man, I'm, I'm for protecting these areas, allowing nature to be nature for the for eternally, right? And then you have those on the right side are saying, hey, you, we've built large amounts of income. We need find uh, creative ways to be able to reduce that expense. And now we can kind of be bipartisan, which I think that that's a lie either because it's just partisan. There's no, there's no buy in it there. In my opinion, they're all of one group. But now the IRS is saying we don't like that. So you said that those are going to go to go to tax court. Do you feel like the, the court system is going to look at this from a, a, a very, what are the facts of the case? And did it do the thing that the law said? Because there still is law. I mean, I know right. most of uh, our, our government doesn't really like to look at the laws, but they've created the laws in which these conservation easements have been created. Am I wrong? 
No, that's true. And it's it's very clear in the law. I mean, <laughs> the law is not ambiguous. I don't think the law is ambiguous. I, I, I would wish the IRS would write some regulations on it, but the, the IRS has a reason not to um, because there's this whole concept of highest and best use, which they use against taxpayers when it comes to estate tax and gift tax. So they don't want to give that up. Okay, so they're, what they're doing is they're attacking this in, in other ways. You know, what's, is, is it an evaluation? Is it really a, a, a permanent uh, conservation easement? The courts actually, um, the taxpayers have been winning. The, the challenge is not, uh, you know, I, I don't have any challenge with the IRS disputing a deduction. I mean, it is our job to prove our deduction. What my concern is, is this blanket, every, it's all bad. And we're and you're going to have to go to court because it's very expensive to go to court. It's very very expensive. It can run easily seven figures to go to tax court um, with the IRS. And so my concern about the new bill is not it, it's not do we need some more IRS auditors? Yes, I'd I'd like to see more of the money go to technology, frankly, because their technology is horrible. I'd love to see them spend, instead of $3 billion on customer service, I'd like to see them spend $30 billion in customer service so you could actually call and get an answer on the phone. That would be like novel, or they could actually send you a refund sooner than a year and a half down the road from when you actually applied for the refund. So, you know, I would just like to see other, I'm not opposed even to <laughs> adding funding to the IRS. I, it's, it's, the, it's kind of the attitude that, you know, everybody's a cheater. And, you know, we need to, you know, and any money that any deduction you take must be bad because you're taking a deduction and why in the world would you take a deduction? And which we know is not the way the tax law works. So I don't, you know, I don't have an issue with them challenging. I don't have an issue with them challenging anything I do. Right. Um, my concern is, is that it's not just a challenge. It's a, let's throw it out and let's kind of, uh, uh, you know, bully people. And I, I don't like that. I don't like that idea that we're going to say, well, you're just going to have to take us to court. And because then somebody who owes $20,000, they're just going to bend over. They're just say, well, here's the 20,000, not worth it. Right. They don't have the ability to fight it at that point. Right. Exactly. This podcast is amazing. Almost too amazing, Russ. There's too many ideas and I don't know where to get started creating passive income. Well, here's the thing, Joey. I think one of the things you need to consider in that statement is what is it costing you to not know? What is it costing you not to take action? I love the statement that says you don't have to be great to start. You just have to start to be great. If you're struggling on where to start, you have to know what type of investor you are. Know your investor DNA. And if you want to learn more about this, you can join us in our Passport Challenge at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport. Get started today. I know that you uh, have a network of tax-free wealth um, advisors out there that you're helping advise clients, their local clients on this. What are some of the strategies that they're still able to employ to, to protect themselves as much as possible from some of the things that's coming down in this act that you would say? Well, I, I think it's, first of all, it's very important that you have a CPA that's not afraid of the IRS. I mean, to me, that's number one. And most CPAs, unfortunately, I find are scared to death. That is so uh, true. I'm going to use a different word, but scared to death of the IRS. And I mean, for example, I've had so many people say, well, my CPA told me not to take a home office deduction because that's a red flag. I'm going, well, A, if you report it correctly, it's not a red flag. And B, why are you concerned? 
why are you concerned? Are you, are you just afraid of the IRS? Uh, are, you, are you afraid of supporting what you've done? Are you cheating on the tax return? Is that what you're afraid of? I, I don't understand why you would be afraid. So the other thing is, is the documentation that you do. I, I was uh, saying in a call I did last night with our customers is that um, there are a lot of CPAs, they don't even retain documentation. They don't even, they don't even have work papers for their tax returns. So you, you really, there are some, you know, there are big differences between tax preparers. So don't believe that all t tax preparers are the same because they are not. And you're, you're because there's more IRS audits coming, I think you're just going to want to have your I's dotted and your T's crossed. And then you want to make sure that your, your CPA is, is comfortable handling that IRS audit. I mean, I've had handled over, you know, I've been in this business over 40 years and I've handled a number of IRS audits and, you know, IRS auditors are doing their job and I'm going to sit down and help them do their job. And that's, you know, that's what I'm going to do. I just want, I just want them to be reasonable while I'm reasonable. Well, I love, I love your approach that, you know, if you're doing what is in the law, you have no reason to be fearful of someone coming and checking to make sure that it was done properly. Right. And again, as long as they're really checking, and and so one of the concerns I have is that they're they seem to be throwing the baby out with the bathwater, uh, so to speak, because there are some of these deductions they just don't like. You know, they're on their dirty dozen. We don't like these, so we're going to disallow them. Well, okay, so what's next, right? So is it bonus depreciation? that they don't like say, well, you know, we're going to go after all of the cost segregations that have been done in the real estate industry. They could, they could just say, oh, you did a cost segregation. We're going to disallow it. That's my concern. I have no problem if they're going to challenge legitimately and they're going to listen and they're going to look at the, 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 the rules and they're going to go through and make sure you have the documentation. You should, you need to have a professional do the cost segregation. I'm fine with that. My concern is that um, is is how are they going to use um, their additional resources? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think it's just what you're saying. And listen up, tribe. I mean, basically, Tom's telling you you've got to follow the three rules to accounting: document, document, document. You need right. to be prepared. I mean, we, we talk about this all the time, Tom. Is that before Joey and I started hiring out tax strategists and tax attorneys to work with us? We were probably the least documented and the most susceptible to paying for if we were to be audited. And we were paying a lot more taxes. We were undercutting everything that we should have been actually writing off because mm -hmm. we didn't have documentations. Right. We were actually following through on the process. And we were scared to death that we were going to over um, state something and then get audited and then have to go back and pay it. Well, now that we've actually started documenting, following processes like what you talk about all the time, what you um, put in your books, is that we now pay a lot less in taxes. We do get to keep a lot more, so we can invest more, but also we're way more um, structured in the way of documentation. If somebody came in and said, hey, why is it that you're renting your house out uh, as a dwelling unit rental to your business for X amount, we have not only the agreements between our businesses and our, and our and our personal life, we also have the commercial appraisals that give them the, the comparables and all the different things. Then we also have the documents of the meetings that happen in the event and who all was there, right? So when you have all of that, now you get in a position where you can, I hope, uh, you know, satisfy the needs of what the person is looking for, 
But I do feel like, you know, like you said, that if you end up going to tax court, that's where the concern is. And I think that's where maybe is it truly that you're just trying to bully people to not do anything? And that's how they're going to raise the money. Well, to well, pay back I, I, that, that, that's my concern. I don't know. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I just um, I've just seen what they've done. <laughs> and, you know, t people typically continue doing what they've done. And, uh, you know, the challenge that the IRS is going to have is they want to hire 87,000 new auditors. Um, that's a lot. And they want to go after uh, more complex situations like partnerships and S corporations. And, you know, of course, in real estate, almost all real estate is held in partnerships. And so um, my concern is, is that it, first of all, yeah, you'd better have the documentation because that's the first thing they're going to want is documentation. If you don't have that, doesn't matter what the law is because seriously, they're right. You have to have the documentation because it's really your job to prove the deduction. It's not their job to prove that you don't get the deduction. It is your job. Um, but if you have the documentation, if you have appropriate documentation, you should be able to do that. Now, you know, my concern is, is them coming in with a checklist and saying, well, here's our checklist and you don't meet all this checklist. Therefore, we're going to throw out this depreciation deduction. That's that's my bigger concern. But in the meantime, let's get ready for it because it's going to take them through, you know, two or three years to hire and train these people. They're not going to be really well trained. Um, they're not going to go out and hire masters of tax students from the University of Texas. OK, just let's be clear. Right. They're going to hire people, that some of a lot of which of whom will probably not even have an accounting degree. There aren't that many accountants in the workforce in the first place. It's actually a dwindling profession. So they're gonna have a tough time hiring, which means they're less likely to be as um, qualified and which means that their training is tends to be more checklist training than um, than use your head training. Right. And, 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 you know, that's, that, that can be challenging. So again, you know, you want a CPA that is document that's, getting you to document, showing you how to document, this, keeping some documentation themselves. But do know, they're going to ask you for all your receipts, so you better have them. Scan them into a file. Uh, make sure you have all of your receipts because they will ask for it. And by the way, an American Express receipt is not a receipt. <laughs> Just know that. You're, you're, uh, what's the receipt is the actual receipt for the, the purchase, not the American Express statement. So uh, you do just, you just need to document more and you just mean more prepared because um, historically they've audited very few partnerships and that's uh, Commissioner Reddick has said that that's who he's primarily gonna go after is the partnerships. So Tom, you've brought this up a number of times is like having the proper partner essentially in this business is how do you, how do you really vet an accountant? I mean, do you have a resource maybe that we could share? Like, I do. That, like what questions to ask? Because I, I feel like you sit across from an accountant and it's it's like they could tell you whatever they want to and you're just be like, okay, they're, yeah. they're speaking another language. For sure. I'll just For trust sure. Them, For sure. In fact, uh, um, uh, so chapter 23 of my book, Tax-Free Wealth, um, is how to find a, a great tax advisor. That is that that is that chapter. So that is a really good resource. Um, and so when actually when I was writing the book, uh, I you know I was writing it and getting um, help from Robert Kiyosaki. And Robert says, would you put in the like top ten questions that the, an accountant should ask? You know that you should ask the accountant when you interview them. And I said, well, I I will do that. I said I actually think what's more important is are the questions the accountant asks you. 
So I put in the top 10 questions you in chapter 23, there are the top 10 questions you should ask the accountant, but there's also the top 10 things the accountant should be asking you because the advisor's job is to ask you questions. Your job is to answer. Your job is not to come up with the questions. If you're coming up with all the questions, you got to be thinking, well, if I'm coming up with all the questions in the interview process, what's going to happen during the tax term process? Am I also going to be coming up with all the questions? Right. Yeah, exactly. You you want somebody who's been there and knows that. If they're having to learn on you, then they're probably not the right advisor for you anyway. Yeah, you, you, you go to a doctor, they don't spend 14 uh, of the 15 minutes they're with you um, waiting for you to ask them questions. They spend the 14 to 15 minutes asking you questions. They, they've got to do the diagnosis. And then they give you one minute of, uh, here's the, you know, go take this drug and, uh, or, or go do this. And the same should be true with all of your advisors, whether the legal advisors, tax advisors, um, what financial advisors, you know, the, the, the advisor's primary skill set should be asking good questions. Mm, so true. That's so true. All right. As we start to wrap up, I do have one last subject matter. We, Joey and I, in 2017, um, started getting involved in the crypto world and started oh. buying uh, miners that mined Ethereum. Since then, we've uh, bought into uh, Bitcoin mining processes. And I know that um, cryptocurrency is a big topic in the tax world. And also, I've heard you speak on it a little bit. What's your take on crypto as a whole? Yeah, so um, the the challenge is, of course, the IRS doesn't know what to do with it. And because it's such a new world and the IRS tends to be very slow in figuring things out like this. And, and it's it's difficult. It is difficult to figure it out. So what the IRS just says is, well, it's property. Okay, well, so now what you have to do is you have to go, okay, so now I, I actually like it when the IRS doesn't have all these rules because then I can apply, you know, the general rules. And I'd rather apply the general rules um, because then I've got a little more flexibility. So uh, for example, the question is, is mining the same as staking, right? And the IRS has said yes, although the courts have been pretty clear that the answer is no, um, that staking is different than mining. Um, <laughs> so, so, you know, what do you do about that? Well, you know, you need to, your, your CPA is really gonna have to understand the law and how to apply other principles around cryptocurrency because we don't have specific rules about cryptocurrency and accountants tend to like rules. Um, I don't, but uh, most accountants do. And so, you know, they're waiting for the rules. I'm going, we're, we're not going to get rules on cryptocurrency for a very long time. So, you know, we need to really understand how the law works generally when it comes to buying and selling property and apply those principles. When you, when you go to that piece, it's not that difficult. There is some legislation being drafted, um, which um, eventually, hopefully, will get through the system. Um, but it's it's tough because we've got such a partisan, as you mentioned, it's, we've got such a partisan Congress that it's uh, tough to get any kind of legislation through uh, in a bipartisan way, which you really need for something like the cryptocurrency. But um, uh, I, I think that you, you what you really need is to understand how does the tax law basically work, which is why I wrote my two books, Tax-Free Wealth and the Win-Win Wealth Strategy. How does the tax law really work and make sure that my advisors know how it works and then apply it to cryptocurrency? Well, and, and just in general, someone's like, hey, I've heard Robert Kiyosaki talk about cryptocurrency. It's it's a great thing to continue to have in your portfolio. Where do you where do you land on it from an investment side? Uh, well, you know, it's one of those things. It's it's not technically an asset because it doesn't produce cash flow, right? So what it really is is it's a it's kind of a store of value, if you will. 
And it's it's really a matter of, you know, to me, <laughs> I've always said that Bitcoin's either going to go to zero or two million. I don't think there's a, in the long run, there's, there's not a big in between there. Um, so it's either going to get uh, widely used, which is what it would take to go to two million, or people are going to go, yeah, we're done with this. And it's going to go to zero. Now, right now, obviously it's, it's been on its way, right? It's been lower. And people have said, well, I'm not so sure. Is it, you know, and then people do tend to take advantage of, you know, people think, well, I, I need to get in uh, uh, this fear of missing out. I need to get in on the crypto craze. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, it's one of those things. I think people should have look at gold and silver as well. I think they should look at, you know, for safety, I think they should look at life insurance. So I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a single asset type of person. I do think that crypto, you'd better know what you're doing. Um, for example, when people were getting, you know, big into DeFi, what was happening is they're going, geez, I, I can pledge my crypto and get 10% returns. Okay. So you understand that if you were getting interest on something else, you'd probably get 3%. So why are you getting 10%? Well, maybe that's a little riskier investments and lo and behold, then all the DeFi, you know, the whole thing collapses, right? Because it was a very risky investment as it turned out. All right. Because uh, so many of the, the, the DeFi, um, the, the DeFi uh, situations actually collapsed over the last six months. So I think you just have to, you have to look at, this is something that, you know, do I want to make sure I have some of it in my portfolio? Maybe. I'm not an investment advisor, but um, I, I think crypto, I'll tell you what I like. Now, I'm, I, I'm actually very interested that you, uh, that, that, that you talked about Ethereum because I'm a much bigger believer in the technology than I am in any cryptocurrency itself. I, the blockchain technology is the, um, probably the, the biggest invention in the finance world since double entry accounting um, because it's basically triple entry accounting. It, it really is. It's basically you have uh, a debit, you have a credit and you have an audit and that's all blockchain is. Okay. It's a debit credit and an audit. And, um, but every transaction is audited, right? So you can have comfort that it actually really happened. And I think, I think blockchain will have a huge impact in the world. And of course, all of the developers in blockchain right now are on Ethereum. So that's, to me, why I'm going, okay, Ethereum's useful. Um, Bitcoin's not useful right now. If it right. becomes uh, widely tradable, then uh, widely usable, that would be a, a different situation. Yeah, I, I think we have the same background or, or same thought process as we related to it. So for us, we did even think of it as actually an asset because we truly were at the time when we first bought it, Tom, we were actually uh, every every single month as it was mining crypto, we were turning it to USD. And it, don't, it took us, we're, we're slow to the table. Well, the right? mining, we, now mining's a business. So that's not crypto <laughs> as an asset. Okay. Right. That's like yeah. flipping real estate. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. No, no doubt. All we were doing was trading us dollars for computers right. that were then creating exactly a different currency that then we were sure. trading back to USD. It was definitely a unique strategy for us. For and sure. I, I agree with you. I, I don't think it's the first thing that someone should go out and go buy. It's in the definitely the speculative category. If you're just purely buying it as a place, as you said, as a storage house for wealth, I do think it's a lot like the internet. It's going to be here. It's going to be a part of the future. I don't know how. I think as adoption uh, fully takes over over time, we'll see ultimately where that plateaus. There's going to be a lot of peaks and valleys between then. And there'll be opportunity for those who are participating in an area of control.
Tom, we, we've enjoyed having you on here. I know our audience um, loves getting to hear from smart people like yourself. Tax is one of those things that's hard to be interesting, but in today's environment, it, you got to be aware, you got to be interesting, and you absolutely uh, delivered. Thank you so much for being on the show. If someone wanted to take action and uh, follow up and find out more about what you're doing, also, how do they find um, a CPA or someone in your network, where would you send them? Yeah, so that's the easy button. So I always I always tell people you can you can interview your own CPA. That's chapter 23 of Tax-Free Wealth. Or you can press the easy button, just go to wealthability.com and we will match you up with a CPA that fits your situation. Um, rather than fitting your location so much, we're gonna fit your situation. And we're, we're happy to do that. We have 60 CPA firms uh, around the country that, uh, that follow what we do. And the other thing, of course, is my new book is The Win-Win Wealth Strategy, Seven Investments the Government Will Pay You to Make. And that's on Amazon, it's Barnes and Noble, it's pretty much everywhere books are sold. So um, that would be the other place to go. Awesome, Tom, thanks again for being here. And uh, thank you, Tribe, for, for coming back for another great episode. We pray that you got tons and tons of value. If you did, please like, share, rate, review, all the things so that other people on their same financial journey can find us and, uh, and find freedom on the other end. Uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.